Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. President Biden facing pushback over comments he made about the U.S. economy, while a recent survey says most CEOs are preparing for a recession. Governor Ron DeSantis is being accused of politicizing the voting process ahead of the midterms. That's after easing voting procedures in some counties affected by Hurricane Ian. A debate in Georgia, two candidates go head-to-head in a race that could help determine which party controls the U.S. Senate. A Hong Kong protester is allegedly assaulted by Chinese consulate staff during a demonstration in Manchester, U.K. Beijing described the attack as a law-abiding act. Billionaire musician Kanye West is in the process of buying Parler, a conservative social media platform that advocates free speech. Kanye West's Instagram and Twitter accounts were recently locked for alleged anti-Semitic posts. In a statement, the superstar rapper argued, quote, In a world where conservative opinions are considered to be controversial, we have to make sure we have the right to freely express ourselves. His deal with Parler is expected to close before the end of this year. The company hasn't disclosed how much West would pay. And President Biden is facing pushback after claiming over the weekend that the U.S. economy is strong. He also said other countries are worse off. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more. During a visit to Oregon Saturday, reporters asked President Biden about inflation and the surging U.S. dollar. Here's what he said. I'm not concerned about the inflation of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. In the internal zone. Inflation is worldwide. It's worse off everywhere else than it is in the United States. Biden's comments come as U.S. consumer prices rose 8.2% in September compared to the year before. That's hotter than expected and nearing 40-year highs. Producer prices rose 8.5%. The dollar, meanwhile, has soared 20% in the past year. That means lower prices for U.S. imports, but it fuels inflation for other countries. Republicans criticized Biden for his statements about the U.S. economy. Republican Party Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel tweeted, Biden called the economy strong as hell. According to a recent CNN poll, 78% of Americans say the economy is poor. Meanwhile, almost all CEOs say they're preparing for a recession in the United States. That's according to the conference board's recent Measure of CEO Confidence survey. 98% of CEOs said they're preparing for a U.S. recession in the next 12 to 18 months. However, most believe the recession in America will be brief and shallow. Some have said inflation, coupled with the Federal Reserve's decision to raise interest rates, has increased the likelihood of a downturn. Gross domestic product fell in the first and second quarters of 2022. Recessions are technically defined by the National Bureau of Economic Research as back-to-back quarters of negative GDP growth. The conference board's chief economist, Dana Peterson, said CEO confidence has sunk to its lowest level since the Great Recession. But, she said, despite expectations of slow growth, tight labor market conditions and wage pressures persist, while hiring plans remain robust. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. The president of the Atlanta Federal Reserve Bank is currently under investigation. That's after admitting he did not disclose certain trading activities. Rafael Bostic claims he only learned later that transactions done by third parties on managed accounts must also be listed on annual disclosure forms. 
Bostic said that he worked to provide corrected information about such trades as soon as he became aware that his financial reporting did not meet required compliance. Fed officials are prohibited from owning stocks and banks that are overseen by the Federal Reserve. They are also banned from investing in funds that have holdings concentrated in the financial sector overseen by the central bank. In addition, officials are not allowed to trade during certain Fed meetings. An Arizona Democrat has been sentenced to 30 days in jail because of her involvement in a local ballot harvesting scheme during a 2020 municipal election. Guillermina Fuentes was ordered to turn herself in to the Yuma County Jail and was also placed on two years probation. She is a school board member and former mayor of the border town of San Luis. Fuentes and her associate, Alma Juarez, earlier this year pleaded guilty to one count each of ballot abuse. Investigators reported at that time that Fuentes was using her position in the San Luis community to persuade local voters to let her or her acquaintances deposit their ballots. Video evidence provided to investigators apparently showed Fuentes collecting and filling out ballots at a table outside a polling place. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is being criticized for easing the voting process for residents in areas most affected by Hurricane Ian. Some say the counties in question are mostly Republican. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is being accused of politicizing the voting process ahead of the midterms. Last week Thursday, DeSantis announced that he's expanding voting access in areas most affected by Hurricane Ian. They're also going to have additional days for early voting so people could vote the Sunday and Monday before the right until Tuesday of the election day. I know some people like waiting till the election day, but nevertheless, you have that option. And then the other thing is, is you will be able to have a absentee ballot sent to a different address. He says people will have to confirm their identity for security reasons, but points out that this can be helpful for hurricane victims who are displaced because their homes were destroyed. The Washington Post reported that the counties in question are overwhelmingly Republican, as opposed to other affected counties. More than 450,000 voters in Lee, Charlotte, and Sarasota are registered as Republicans, compared with 265,000 Democrats and nearly 290,000 affiliated with no party. The article then goes on to say that Hurricane Ian left historic flooding in Orange County, Florida, which has more Democrats than Republicans, but wasn't granted any special voting procedures. The Guardian published an article accusing the governor of inciting anger, writing, Governor Ron DeSantis has made voting easier in certain Florida counties battered by Hurricane Ian, but only Republican-leaning ones. MSNBC host Mehdi Hassan accused DeSantis of hypocrisy for promoting stricter voting guidelines last year while now easing rules following a Category 4 hurricane, saying the hypocrisy is as astonishingly brazen as it is astonishingly galling. NTD reached out to DeSantis' office for comment on the allegations, but didn't hear back before broadcast. Republican Herschel Walker's bid to unseat Democratic U.S. Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia came to a head on Friday. The two rivals met for their sole televised debate in a race that could help determine which party controls the Senate. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more. The Georgia Senate battle is one of the most closely watched contests in the November 8th congressional elections. Walker, a one-time football star and political novice backed by former President Donald Trump against Warnock, a pastor at a historic Atlanta church who has served less than two years in the Senate. On abortion, Walker said, And on abortion, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe in life. And I tell people this, Georgia is a state that respects life, and I'll be a senator that, that protects life. Warnock labeled the U.S. Supreme Court extremist in referencing the overturning of Roe v. Wade and then stated, 
that a patient's room is too narrow and small and cramped a space for a woman, her doctor, and the United States government. Walker responded. But did he not mention that there was a baby in that room as well? On inflation, Walker says becoming energy independent is the key. He then criticized the current administration. We're going to our enemies to ask for gas and oil. And that puts us not just in an inflation problem, but it puts us in a national security problem. On whether he would consider cutting military funding to help economic woes, Walker responded that he believes in peace through strength. Warnock criticized what he called corporations making record profits while Americans pay record prices and trumpeted his record in Georgia. I've stood up for ordinary, hardworking Georgia families time and time again. I passed the single largest tax cut. On the 2024 election, Herschel quickly confirmed his support for former President Donald Trump running. Yes, I would. And let me tell you, President Trump is my friend. Warnock would not commit to supporting President Biden in 2024. I've not spent a minute thinking about what politicians should run for what in 2024. Supporters of Walker gathered in Cobb County, Georgia to watch the debate. He blew everybody in the room away with his quick thinking, his good answers. It was amazing to see his quick wittedness tonight. She mentioned that people in Georgia had been anxious to see how he, as a political novice, performed in a political debate. Opinion polls show the race as a toss-up. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. President Biden is on a West Coast trip to help turn out Democratic votes on Election Day. On his final stop, he touted Democrat accomplishments and how he thinks they could turn to nothing next election. Every single Democrat in Congress voted for the Inflation Reduction Act. And every single Republican voted against it. Every single one, House and Senate. Biden is trying to help boost Democrat candidates and raise campaign funds, promoting a plan aimed at strengthening an uncertain economy. But the Biden team's strategy is to show up for candidates where he can be helpful and steer clear of places where a visit from a president with approval ratings under 50 percent isn't necessarily a good thing. In Oregon, Democratic officials hope that Biden can help consolidate the party's support behind a gubernatorial hopeful. The party is in danger of losing the race in the traditional Democratic stronghold as unaffiliated candidate Betsy Johnson has run a well-financed race against both the Democrat and Republican nominees. The midterm elections are less than a month away, and Pennsylvania Republicans are looking for votes outside their party. Candidates held a get-out-the-vote rally on Saturday. They shared what they'll bring to the table if elected and organized supporters to knock on doors to spread the message. And today's Jeremy Sandberg brings us more about the event. The get-out-the-vote rally was held in Malvern, west of Philadelphia. Dr. Mehmet Oz, who is running for U.S. Senate, encouraged supporters to go out and ask independents and Democrats for their vote. You, someone, someone's there, a Democrat, get excited. That's exactly the person you want to talk to, because you can convince them. And you're going to say, we stand for change. We stand for the reality that you can balance the budget, stop recklessly spending, and fix our economy, which we will do. You can make sure they know that we stand for an all-of-the-above energy policy in order to keep our environment clean. Oz says he has solutions to the ongoing energy crisis, a matter on the minds of all Pennsylvanians. The smartest thing we can do to preserve Pennsylvania's environment is to make sure natural gas is safely being pumped, cleanly being pumped, and piped where it needs to be. We're going to build an LNG facility right here, right here. Guy Shiraki, a Republican nominee for U.S. House, shared Oz's sentiment. It's amazing watching the president 
as gas prices go up, as people are in trouble, as he flies around to the other side of the planet looking for energy. It's like a game. It's standing right under our feet. We know it here in Pennsylvania more than anyone else. So we have the solutions. We will make America energy independent. On the state level, candidates are also focusing on the issues at the forefront of voters' minds. In Pennsylvania here, we are the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. We can do this much cleaner than buying dirty oil from our enemies like Venezuela and Russia. We can have so many jobs here in Pennsylvania. Speakers also talked about bringing down inflation, high crime rates, and fentanyl trafficking, among other issues. I think crime, the energy, and education are the three biggest issues in Pennsylvania. The candidates hope their ideas will move voters across party lines. I think that his message is resonating with people more and more about his ability to help create a good economic climate in Pennsylvania, his focus on the crime issue, the drug issue, uh, keeping the borders under control. The general election is held on November 8th. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Former FBI agent Timothy Tebow has refused to cooperate with a Republican House probe into allegations of abuse and misconduct within the agency. Tebow left the FBI in August and is being accused by GOP senators of having a political bias against former President Donald Trump and slow-walking the agency's investigation into Hunter Biden in 2020. Three House Republicans sent a letter to Tebow demanding the former agent submit himself to an interview. They also requested documents from him. The lawmakers announced that Tebow rejected their request and that they have sent a new letter to him. Tebow's attorney told the New York Post that his client has obligations that impact his ability to provide such information. He also said it's not the case that his client is unwilling to cooperate. Republicans in Michigan recently introduced a bill that would outlaw cross-sex medical procedures for minors and consider it first-degree child abuse. Anyone, including guardians and doctors, would be guilty of first-degree child abuse if they are involved with a gender transition procedure for a child. That includes consenting to, obtaining, or assisting a procedure. Child abuse in the first degree can lead up to life imprisonment. If passed, the state would become the second in the nation to make it a felony to provide such procedures to minors. But state restrictions on gender transitioning for children are facing challenges. A case in Arkansas is set to begin trial next week. Toxic levels of the chemical BPA have been found in sports bras and athletic shirts from major American sport brands. Tests reveal wearers are exposed to levels exceeding the safe limit by 22 times. The Center for Environmental Health has sent legal notices to top brands such as Nike, New Balance, the North Face, and others. BPA appears in a list of chemicals known to cause cancer or reproductive problems. This list is known as California's Proposition 65. Penalties for violating Proposition 65 can reach up to $2,500 per incident per day. Studies show BPA can be absorbed through the skin within seconds of contact. High levels of BPA result in heart problems and other ailments. Exposure to low levels during pregnancy can cause health problems in offspring. And coming up, some analysis on CCP leader Xi Jinping's speech at the 20th Party Congress. We delve into his rhetoric around COVID-19, Hong Kong, and Taiwan in just a moment here on NTD News Today.
Welcome back. British police are investigating an attack on pro-democracy protesters over the weekend. A Hong Kong man was dragged into the Chinese consulate and beaten by several men during a demonstration in Manchester. Video shows several protest banners outside the consulate before the violence broke out. Among them was a caricature portraying current leader Xi Jinping wearing a crown. A man was then dragged into the consulate compound. As he fell to the ground, he was punched and kicked by unidentified men. Local police eventually pulled the man out from the gate. The victim, identified as Bob, is a Hong Kong freelance journalist who recently immigrated to the UK. He said he was trying to stop consulate staff from taking a poster from him before he was attacked. The man was taken to the hospital for treatment of cuts and bruises to his face. According to reports, the protest was organized by the Hong Kong Indigenous Defense Force. The group opposes a third term of Chinese leader Xi Jinping. Sunday was the first day of the 20th Congress of the Chinese Communist Party. As a response, the party's foreign ministry claimed that the Chinese delegations, quote, always abide by the laws. Next, we get some analysis of Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping's speech at the 20th Congress of the Chinese Communist Party. We hear from a combat veteran who also served in the Department of Defense and the National Security Council at the White House. Joining us now is retired Colonel John Mills, the former Director of Cybersecurity Policy, Strategy, and International Affairs at the Department of Defense. Great speaking with you, John. Thank you, Kevin. Always an honor to be on your show. What can you tell us about CCP leader Xi Jinping's rhetoric at the Party Congress? He framed zero COVID as protecting people's lives and said there was chaos in Hong Kong prior to the regime's encroachment. Yes, uh, this Party Congress speech, and it was for his third term, which is unprecedented, was about securing the nation, securing the nation, securing the nation from what? But uh, Mao was about creating revolutionaries. Um, um, previous leaders were about making uh, Chinese population wealthy. She was about securing the nation. He put Taiwan and the willingness to use force to regain Taiwan really up front and center in his speech. He talked about, yes, how he had provided order to uh, uh, Hong Kong. Most would call it a, a crushing uh, action against the, 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 the wonderful people of Hong Kong, but also the zero COVID policy, which is increasingly unpopular in China, which is just a, a one more tool and measure to control the population. So, John, do you think this speech at the Party Congress is an attempt for Xi to gain public sentiment or to solidify his control over the regime? This was clearly about establishing control over all aspects of the Chinese Communist Party and Chinese society. It was only a few weeks ago, the mysterious few days, where uh, Xi had uh, went to his book Pakistan to meet with Putin and others, and then returned, and there was drama and as mystery as he was out of sight for a number of days. Uh, clearly, palace intrigue was going on one way or another, and we still don't know the full scale and scope of that. This speech was essentially a clear statement of uh, the uh, unabashed, unchallenged rule of Xi over China. Now, Xi received the greatest applause when he spoke about Taiwan. He said China would strive for a peaceful reunification, but would use, quote, all measures necessary. What does this mean for the democratically ruled island? 
This is a prelude to conflict. I don't mean to be an alarmist, but I don't know how to better put it. Uh, everyone needs to get ready. In some ways, she was really patting himself on the back. He made references to the great successes essentially in the last year. I don't know what those greats against Taiwan. I don't know what those great successes were. Uh, there was uh, numerous uh, surges of aircraft uh, toward Taiwan. Uh, that is a that is an activity. But the, the Taiwanese very effectively, very effectively defended their airspace, and then also uh, a lot. It was missed in the, a lot, but uh, only a few weeks ago, Taiwan shot down a drone in uh, the straits between the two countries. And the Ministry of National Defense in Taiwan has made it very clear that this sep this zone of separation, uh, the air defense airspace, from this point onward, uh, at any penetration would be treated as a hostile attack, meaning there very likely will be essentially shoot-downs, uh, meaning missiles fired at uh, intruding Chinese aircraft, which will be quite provocative. There certainly have been a lot of military drills in that area recently. Now, what can you tell us about the export controls that Biden recently imposed? Yeah, lost in uh, the attention on the party Congress speech, only last Thursday, the Biden uh, administration imposed very strict measures in regards to semiconductor production in China. And it really was, I mean, it was needed. It should have been done a while ago. Uh, this is almost like cutting off oil to Japan in July of 1941. This, these are very stringent measures, and one of the, the most uh, hard-hitting parts of that is actually saying that U.S. citizens cannot help. There are lots of U.S. citizens in China or enabling China on uh, export control matters and production of chips. They have to immediately stop, cease and desist what they are doing. It's causing chaos and great hardships on uh, the Chinese chip production. Excellent analysis. Retired Colonel John Mills, pleasure having you on the show again. Thank you, Kevin. Always a pleasure to be on your show. Now a follow-up to last week's bridge protest against the Chinese regime. The protester was immediately arrested, and it is unknown what happened afterwards. Right after that protest on a busy overpass in Beijing, the same slogans appeared again in public restrooms. This is during the 20th Communist Party Congress, which is held from October 16th to the 22nd. Several photos circulating online showed a message in large characters saying, no dictatorship, no COVID test, we need food, we need freedom. No COVID test. Save China. It's believed the incident happened in a men's restroom at the China Film Archive and Photograph Library in Beijing. Several flyers were also posted on the wall reading, Government through general election. Elect a leader with a vote. A new movement to defend the republic. Another photo shows people picking up the flyers in the restroom with the same slogan as the banners on the bridge. Some photos also show text in English written on the door saying, Life, not zero COVID policy. Freedom, not lockdown. Reform, not regression. After the Beijing bridge incident, officials recently hired so-called bridge watchers. According to recruitment posts, it's a 24-hour position for at least 15 days, two people per shift, including eating and sleeping in a tent at the location. A worker spoke to the Epic Times and said the job is about so-called maintaining stability. The protesters will likely face severe punishment. One netizen had an interesting take on the situation. He commented after the incident in the restroom that officials will probably send toilet watchers to each public restroom. 
And that's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City. Music